The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kyle Knight. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the youth and digital minister here at Fathom. Um, welcome to all of you here in the room. We've got a pretty packed room. Uh, welcome to all of you joining us um, online. Uh, really quickly before I get started, you know, uh, Pastor Chris is on vacation, but he still texts me on Sunday morning when he's not supposed to. Um, but he did say he wanted me to encourage you. Uh, because we have such a full service right now here at the nine o'clock service, our 11 o'clock isn't that full. If, if you don't have kids, maybe think about this new year, switching over to the 11 o'clock service. That would be awesome. Um, just because we've got our kids this first hour, um, think about that, but it is, it is so good to see, um, a full room this morning. Uh, yes, like everyone else has pretty much already said this morning, welcome to 2021. We did it. Yippee. We, we've made it to um, a new year. I hope that your Christmas um, and your New Year celebrations were great and that you kind of ended, uh, and ended the year off on a good note. But um, hey, this is the first Sunday of a new year, um, and I'm super excited to be up here, but we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get started. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles or your phone or your tablet, whatever it is, to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be starting in um, verse 13. And for those of you who have been here for a little while, and when I mean like a little while, I mean like these last few months even, uh, this last fall, uh, you might be thinking, Matthew again? Like we've been in Matthew a lot. Um, We were in Matthew a little bit in the fall as we went through our disciplines series when we were talking about spiritual disciplines a little bit. Um, And then we just went through Advent, which is the story of Christmas, of baby Jesus. Um, And we went through the book of Matthew then. So I hope you are not sick of the book of Matthew because we will be doing another series on Matthew starting this kind of spring and summer. Um, But Right now, we're in the book of Matthew. Next week, we'll actually start an Old Testament series, which will be really, really awesome that we're excited for. So, but we're in the book of Matthew, and this passage um, that was actually read, we're going to start a couple verses earlier than that, but it's it's a short passage. It's a short story, but I don't want to skip over it. I really don't want us to miss this, and I believe what's in these few short verses um, really goes perfectly with the beginning of a new year, the first Sunday of a new year. So hopefully open up your Bibles, your tablets to Matthew three. We'll get there in just a minute. But as, as some of you know, if, if not all of you, um, uh, me and my wife just had a new baby girl this past fall, um, in October. And so, uh, we kind of did Christmas this year with two kids now, which was a lot of fun. Um, so I know like, like all of you, we were sort we were navigating the whole COVID season with, with Christmas and all that, but we still had a blast. And obviously uh, Christmas with a three-month-old or almost three-month-old is very different than Christmas with our four-year-old boy. Um, One has no idea what's going on still um, and doesn't really care. The other one is like super into Christmas and he's at like the perfect age where everything's just awesome to him. And so we had a lot of fun, but I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about my son this morning, Austin, my little four-year-old boy and and some of the stuff he's sort of into now. Okay. He's, he's really into helping now, which 
It's great. Um, every parent will tell you that. Um, whether it's helping around the house, um, helping dad fix things around the house, he loves doing that, or helping with his baby sister. He is such a good big brother. I'm bragging on him for, for a second. Such a good big brother. He loves it, and he loves helping, whether that's going and, and getting um, his sister's clothes or getting some wipes or diapers when needed. He has changed a diaper so far. Just one. <laughs> And that was very early on. And he was the one who even went and put on gloves because he was kind of grossed out, put on gloves, did the hand sanitizer, wash his hands afterwards. I mean, I guess if something good comes from this time of year, we might have a super paranoid four-year-old about germs and wants to be clean, which is fine with me. Um, but I love that our four-year-old, he, he wants to help. Um, I'll take it. But one of, one of the ways that Austin's been, my little boy Austin has been helping lately, um, actually this past week, is, is shoveling snow, is shoveling our driveway and our sidewalk with snow. And so we got a little bit of snow. I'm sure some of you um, did this past week. Uh, usually I'm the one who shovels at home, um, not because my wife can't do it, because she can She's back there. I love you, wife. She can. And not that, and not because she never offers, because she offers all the time. Um, I just have this little thing called OCD. Uh, and when it comes to shoveling snow, uh, there's a right way to do it, uh, in my head at least. Um, and so, so for those of you that also have that, you know, like you want those straight lines all the way across. You don't, don't step in the snow before you're about to shovel it because that leaves footprints. Yeah, I got, I got a clap there. Yep. Um, so you get all the snow. Don't leave any behind. Um, there is a right way to do it. There's almost nothing better except maybe in the summer when you're mowing your lawn and you get those nice lights. I heard some people saying, yes. Okay. You know, if you know, you know, um, but anyway, so, so my son really wants to help, and he really wants to help shoveling. And so being the good dad that I am, I went early on this winter, I went and bought him a shovel that's like perfect for his size, a little, little kid shovel so he can help me. Um, and so as this past week, as, as I start shoveling, I start shoveling my OCD way. I'm doing my straight lines all the way across. Um, Austin starts shoveling the way a four-year-old would, would shovel. And let's just say he doesn't have his dad's OCD yet, which is, which is a good thing. Um, but, but let's just say it takes about twice as long to shovel now uh, because what he'll do is he'll just put the shovel down and he'll just walk wherever he wants to and collecting snow. And once that shovel is full, he'll dump it, but he'll just dump it wherever he's at. And so that um, really doesn't help out much. Um, so it, it, it did take longer, but he was helping, right? I, I mean, I, mean I, I actually loved it. We did something together. It was really, really fun. Um, another example of Austin trying to help out recently is we actually got him to start cleaning his room by himself, um, sort of. Uh, we, we started uh, we, after some back and forth a little bit between us and him and him not wanting to, he finally reluctantly says, okay, and he'll start cleaning his room. But what we tell him is, hey, go upstairs and start cleaning your room by yourself, okay? Just start. We'll come up there towards the end. We'll, we'll like help you finish it off. We'll help you, help you clean a little bit, but we want you to start doing it by yourself. And so the last few times he's done that, um, Austin, he's, he's gone up to his room and he's been up there for quite a while and it's quiet, too quiet. Parents, you know that something else is going on. Um, but then he'll like race downstairs and he'll say this last time he races downstairs and he says, I'm done cleaning my room. And of course I'm like, 
I was like, are you really? Okay, let's, let's go up and check. And so I come up and check, um, check his room. And when I come in, it's actually fairly clean. Like he did a pretty good job. Everything's off the, the floor, put away, it seems like. All his little bins of toys are organized and put in the, the closet. It's, it's pretty awesome. And of course, not everything is as it seems because when on our way out, I take a quick glance like under his bed. Um, he's got sort of a sort of a bunk bed. Like it's a higher bed where his, his dresser kind of goes under it, but it makes like a, a cool tunnel from underneath it. And he calls it his cave and he plays back there. It's all, it's all dark and everything. But um, of course, I take a quick little glance under there and I see everything that was once on the floor is shoved back there. Clothes, stuffies, toys, everything is shoved back there. Um, and it's pretty much, it's almost like that closet that we have that when guests are coming over, we just shove everything into this closet. Maybe you did when you were in college or something, but shove everything in this closet and just close the door and don't touch it. Cause you don't, you just don't want things to fall out. You just shove everything. And that's exactly what, um, under his bed was like, but he tried, he tried. He felt like he did a really good job too. Um, you see being Austin's dad, there are times where he tries to help um, with certain things that, that he actually totally does help. Um, but there are also those times where he tries to help and really it just makes things worse sometimes and it just takes a lot longer. But his intentions were, were right on. Um, he wanted to help shovel the driveway even though it took a long time, he thought he did a great, great job. He wanted to help clean his room and start doing that by himself. He thought he did a great job. And um, my point I want to make with these two examples is that it's a good thing that my love for my son isn't contingent on how well he helps out around the house. Okay. That's a, that's a really good thing. I love him so much, even before he tries to do some of these things. And um, it actually doesn't matter how well he does helping out, or even if he helps out at all with some of these things that, um, because he's my son and, and, and I love him already. And I think most parents feel that way. Um, now, in thinking about these examples, um, and remember the scripture that was just read a few minutes ago, some of you might be like, okay, the scripture was about baptism, and about Jesus's baptism specifically, what does this have to do with Jesus's baptism? So let's go ahead and read um, this whole passage together. So Matthew 3, we're going to start at verses, verse 13 and go through 17, the end of the chapter. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So this story about Jesus' baptism, again, it's only a couple verses long and sort of shoved in there uh, between the, the Advent story of, of Jesus being born. And then what comes next after this is all of Jesus's earthly ministry, which is his life, his, his death, his resurrection. Um, but even though this, this story is short about Jesus's baptism, um, if, if we're not careful, we read this and it's just about baptism and just about Jesus's 
baptism. Um, but I believe there's something so much deeper to get out of this than just about baptism, something huge for us, especially right now. So, um, in order to make sure that we don't skip over verses, because we don't do that here at Fathom, we read all the verses. Um, uh, I, I want to take a look at this whole passage, okay? But I do want to start with baptism because it is about Jesus's baptism. So for those of you that have grown up in the church, maybe you haven't grown up in the church, been a Christian for a little bit, long time, um, whatever it is, maybe you've been baptized before, or maybe you haven't, or you, at least you understand what baptism is, you might look at this passage and be a little confused by it about why Jesus is being baptized. Um, but for those of you that aren't confused and you're like, oh, okay, let me explain to you a little bit about what baptism is supposed um, to be for. Okay, so a couple things. Baptism is an outward and public act of your inward choice in accepting Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and following him with your life. So as Christians, we put our life in Jesus and we choose to follow him with our life. Um, so we are called to be baptized. Like Jesus says at the end of Matthew, at the end of this book, after he has rose from the dead and he's talking to his disciples, the, the great commission, it's famous. He tells them to baptize everyone, go and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, so as believers, we're called to be, to, to be baptized, and that baptism is a public display of our choice in following Jesus. Um, but also, baptism, it's a representation of us as sinful people, us as Christians, that we understand sin, we understand that sin comes between us and God and that perfect relationship he had planned for us. Um, it comes in between that we, we get that and what baptism means, it's, it's like repenting from your sin or another kind of term for repenting is turning away from your sin, turning away from your old life of sin and being washed clean into a new life in Christ. And so baptism is for those who, who need to repent of their sins and be washed clean. That's why we use water, whether it's sprinkled or dunked. Here we dunk you. Um, so if you haven't been baptized and you want to be baptized... Let's do it. Come and talk to us. We did one just this last fall when it was like 30 degrees outside. We can do it anytime. So um, if that's on your heart, talk to me afterwards. Um, but that's why John used, uh, John the Baptist used baptism uh, or used water for baptism to symbolize the washing of our sins um, and our old life of sin, sin and coming out into a new life in Christ. Paul puts this perfectly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now talk about a good verse for the new year, right? Um, so, so here we have this guy named John the Baptist whose whole life was about baptizing others and preparing the way for Jesus, right? Um, and this crazy interaction began with him and Jesus, like um, Jesus, the one who John has been telling everybody about. I mean, the person he's been talking about, who he's been baptizing for, um, all of his followers saying like, oh, you're the guy. He's saying, no, I'm, I'm not the guy. This other guy will come. His name is Jesus. Like he's the Messiah. Um, and then you got Jesus stroll, like strolling up one day and just being like, Hey, it's me. Like I'm the guy. I, I always wonder what that interaction was at first. Like obviously Jesus knew John, but maybe John like didn't recognize him or didn't know Jesus right then. I'm sure he did, but Jesus is probably just like, Hey, 
it's, it's me. And John's like, that's the guy. That's the guy I've been telling you all about. That's the reason we've been baptizing all of you this entire time. Um, now, if that wasn't weird enough, so we, we think of baptism being the act for, for sinful people to turn away from their sins and be baptized, okay? Um, well, the big, I think, elephant in the room, the big question is, well, then why would, did Jesus come and be baptized? Okay, because as, as, as far as I know, Jesus never sinned. He lived a sinless life. So why would he come to be baptized? So let me give you a couple quick reasons why I believe John um, came to be baptized. So looking back at verse 15, verse 15, Jesus pretty much says to John, hey, you need to baptize me. You need to baptize me. John is like, whoa, no. Um, If anything, can you baptize me? Like, I'm not worthy enough to be baptizing you. I mean, you're the one I'm doing this for. Can you, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, let it be so now for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And what Jesus means here by fulfilling all righteousness is he's pretty much saying like, I need to obey my father. And he says, we need to do this now. Okay. In verse 15, Jesus says, let it be so now. And this is Jesus stepping up and obeying his father and his father's will for his life. This obedience from Jesus um, to God, his father is something that we can look at as an example Even before his ministry began, Jesus was submitting himself um, to an act that later on he will will ask his followers to to partake in. And so Jesus was really just setting an example um, for us and showing obedience to God the Father. And yes, Jesus did not need, he didn't need to repent of his sins because he didn't have sins. However, he did need to fulfill Old Testament scripture um, and obey his, his father in heaven who had this planned out so that he could partake in this act before he started his ministry. And that is really key that we'll, we'll get into in a second. But one commentary puts it this way, and it says this. It says, Jesus is fulfilling scripture by doing this God's way. He does not need to repent, but by submitting to baptism, Jesus begins his messianic work by identifying with the human need, and that is of repenting of our sins and being baptized and providing the means by which it can be accomplished. So what can we take away from this? Because we read scripture and we want to look at, okay, what does this mean for me in my life? Like God had something for me in my life. What can we take out of Jesus being baptized? Jesus was just setting another example for us and being obedient to God, being obedient and being baptized. That just shows you the importance of baptism. So he starts his ministry here on earth with being baptized. And then he goes off after he has, he has raised from the dead. He goes off and tells everybody else to be baptized or go tells his disciples, go and baptize everyone, the great commission. So for Jesus, if he was going to tell people to be baptized, he was going to do it himself. So we looked at him as an example So that is a few reasons why Jesus actually came to be baptized. But like I said earlier, if we just look at that and say, this is a, this is a passage and a, and a, and a sermon about baptism, then we're missing a huge, huge thing for us right now. And what we are missing in that, if we just think of it that way is, is a lot about our identity, who we are. Okay, you see, after Jesus comes up out of the water, um, after being baptized, um, it, it says a, a voice from heaven can be heard from God the Father 
saying something to his son, in which, by the way, side note, this is like, this is the first time in scripture we see the triune God um, actually working together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, and that is the Holy Spirit onto the Son, Jesus, the Son being baptized, and then we hear the Father speak from heaven. That's God the Father. So this is a pretty cool moment. Um, and when God speaks, usually it's something to listen to. Okay, so let's take a look at what this could mean for us today. Let's look at verse 17. Okay, verse 17 says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Something so significant happened at this time with these words spoken from God to his son that goes beyond just God saying it to Jesus goes beyond that, that it's actually spoken to us today. Okay, God is pretty much saying here, hey, this is my son. This is who he is. I'm acknowledging the son of God and I love him. And for those watching, I don't know, it it doesn't really talk about how many people were there watching, but there could have been huge crowds. There could have been a few people. I'm sure there were people there, but God wanted whoever was there to know and hear from himself that this is my son. This is who Jesus is once and for all, the son of God. And there's more. And I love him so much. And I am really happy with him. Like this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Um, The message version, if you have the message version of of the Bible, um, it translates it like this, which is just so cool. Um, It says, this is my son, Chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Like that is, that is just some cool things, cool words. So what's crazy about this act of Jesus being baptized was that it was, like I said earlier, it was before his earthly ministry even started. So the first thing he did before, like th- this is what he did. He went to be baptized before he even called his disciples, before he started performing miracles and, and telling everybody about God. And like, this was the first thing he did. And God, the father, his father identifies him in front of everyone and tells him how much he is loved before he has even really done anything. And if God is looking down on his son, Jesus before he's even done anything saying that, I believe this shows us how God views us even before we have done anything to try and earn his love like we can anyways. So that brings me to my my main point today, which is this, identity always precedes action. Identity always precedes action. Um, Almost every day, almost every day when I come home from work, um, again, this is another story about my son. Um, usually what's great about like being pastors and up here preaching, and if you have kids, all your sermon illustrations come from your kids. Um, so almost every day when I come home from work, I'm greeted by my four-year-old, but it's not a high dad. It's usually I'm greeted by his two fists just like flying at my gut, and he just punches me every, every single day without fault every single day, which shows me that I know, A, he has a lot of energy and I'm coming home to some craziness um, and he wants to fight. Like he wants to wrestle. His thing now is, is wrestling. He wants, it's always, 
hey, dad, um, who, who went in a fight, this or this? Like, who's bigger, dad, this or this? And usually they have nothing to do with each other, but it's all about fighting for him. And so when I come home and I'm getting punched already, I know that he wants to wrestle and I love it. So, um, but I, I want to bring you into a little of one of our wrestling scenarios really quick so you can kind of get a picture of this and how it usually starts is Austin will be a couple feet from me and he has his little pose. He's got his hands on his hips. Usually he has a mask on of some superhero, whichever one he picks that day. Um, and he looks at me and what he says in his great superhero voice that he practices, um, he looks at me and he says, who do you think you are? <laughs> And really, I know what he's saying to me is, okay, dad, who are you going to be this time? Like, who are you going to be? Which character are you going to be to fight? And my first thought is be the Hulk. You got to say the Hulk. The Hulk is, he's, he's the biggest, like, just go with, go with the Hulk. So I'm usually like, uh, I'm going to be the Hulk, of course. Um, and his reaction to me every single time, when I say the Hulk, he says, no, uh, you can be like Spider-Man. I'll be the Hulk. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine, fine. Go for it. So we start wrestling back and forth. It's like 30 to 45 seconds until he again steps back, puts his hands on his hips, looks at me through whatever mask he's wearing again. And he says, now, who are you going to be? Now, who do you think you are? That's what he says. And at this point, I'm supposed to change who I am, um, come up with something else because, you know, I'm dealing with the attention span of a four-year-old here. And so I need to think of someone else. So I say, okay, um, I'm Black Panther. And, and this, again, every single time, he says, no, uh, you can be so-and-so, I'll be Black Panther. I'm like, okay, man, fine, um, fine. So th- this goes on and on, him asking me, who do you think you are? Then I'll say something, and every single time, he'll change it on me, and he will tell me who I should be um, and who he wants me to be. So pretty much what I want to say to him when he says, who do you think you are? I really want to say, like, you know what, dude? Why don't you just tell me who I'm going to be? Because this is like, do we really have to do this back and forth every single time? I mean, I'm going to say something. You're going to change it. Um, I know it's fine. We're doing this wrestling thing for you. What, like, you're going to tell me who I am. Go ahead and do that. But that's not fun. Um, so pretty much I've learned that my son um, is it, like, whenever we're playing, he's going to pick my identity of who I am. That's up to him. He'll decide. Um, even when I want to be somebody else, it's, it's totally up to him. Um, but church, one of the things, the reason why I bring this up is one of the things that I believe a lot of us struggle with throughout the year and throughout whatever stage of life we're at, whatever age we are at, um, but maybe more at the start of each new year is our identity of who, who are we? Who are we truly are? And you see, we live in a world and a society that likes to, loves to tell us who we are, right? Loves to, loves to put labels on us um, and tries to tell us who we are, define us all the time. And sometimes we might be okay with some of these labels, like even if it's like a literal label, like your job title or something. Or when I talk to teenagers about this a lot and, and identity and all of that, um, there's some, some good ones to them where it's like, yeah, I'd like, like I'm, I'm the popular one. I'm known as the popular one or I'm the captain of the, the soccer team. Like that's who I am. And some of those are okay, but most of the time they're not okay with these labels that are, are put on us, what the world tells us who we are and, and we shouldn't be okay with that. And, and what happens is we end up believing these labels and believing these things and kind of puts us in this identity crisis in our lives. And um, we don't know who to believe about who we truly are. And 
Even us as Christians, we sometimes believe other things that the world tells us who we are. And Jesus' baptism, what we just read, we see that God the Father telling Jesus who he is and making sure everybody hears it, who's there, identifying him as his one and only son, who is beloved, absolutely loved by the Father. And that's not all. He does this before his ministry even begins, before he even begins to do his ministry. So our identity always precedes action. As believers in Christ, our identity is in him. We are his. We are his children. We are his beloved. And we are that before we even try to be that. That's the great thing about this. See, church, like we're, we're starting a new year. And usually at this time, um, there's a lot of talk of New Year's resolutions and, and bettering ourselves and becoming um, a better version of ourselves this next year. Um, who are we going to be this next year? Um, I want to be somebody different. I want to I change this part of me. Um, I'm going to work on this part of myself this year. And, and what we like to do sometimes is we like to start the year off. We like to work really hard at doing things that will help us change who we are or, or get us to that point where we're actually happy with who we are, um, that, that we actually figured out our identity and where, where we fit into this, this world. And I'm here to tell you that if you are in Christ Jesus, we don't have to do anything for him to acknowledge us, to get him to love us, to earn that spot as, and that title as his child. We don't have to do anything to be called his children. We don't have to, to try and get him to love us um, and call us his own because we're already his. And some of us struggle with this identity and who we are and, um, and we buy into what everybody else tells us that we are um, instead of looking at the one who gave us our identity in the first place, the one who gives us a name, the one who has called us his beloved now, I know this, um, this past fall, we did a series on, on the disciplines and um, spiritual disciplines on how to train ourselves to do things uh, to be closer to, to God in our, in our relationships. And even uh, just this last week, if you watched our Fathom at Home or recorded service last week, uh, Pastor Chris talked about disciplines plan and coming up with a disciplines plan and making a plan to do certain things um, that, will, that will create these disciplines in our lives to help us grow closer to God. So, so what I'm saying here today, like pushes back on that a little bit. Um, with our disciplines, we're talking about uh, doing things to help us become closer to God. But what I want to remind us here today is that when it comes to who we are, we don't have to work at that. Like we, we are in Christ. Um, it, like those who we are in Christ comes before any of the actions we would, we would have to try and take to be God's, God's children and try to do that. And so just like my son's attempt at, at shoveling, uh, like to be a good son or to help out, or just like his attempt at cleaning his room um, by himself and, and helping out that way, like those things are great. Um, but, but guess what, boy? Like you are my son. Like you, you are my son and I'm pleased with you. I'm happy with you. I love you so much before you even do these things. Before you even try and do these things. Identity always precedes action. And even before Jesus starts his ministry, God does something like this and says in an audible voice, well, Jesus, you are mine. 
You are my son, my beloved son, and I'm well pleased with you. That's who you are. So church, I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't do our disciplines um, that we've been studying. Like they, they don't matter uh, because they do matter. But what I'm really saying is, is don't let those things become who you are. Don't let other things uh, become your identity that will just change when somebody else tells you that it should change. Just remember that you are his children. You are his child and you are beloved first and foremost. So church, this this new year, I want to leave you with this as we kind of wrap it up this morning. I want to leave you with the question that my son gives me every time he's about to pummel me in in wrestling. Um, I want to leave you with this question. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And maybe phrasing that in a, in a little better way so it's not so overwhelming, because um, that's kind of a big question. Another way of asking that question sort of to give us a little peace, hopefully, this new year is, do you know who God says that you are? And do you know that he says that to you right now? even before you try to earn that, which, which we can't, it's given to us. We are his, his children, his beloved. And I want to close this out with um, this last scripture passage that I, I think pretty much sums up all of this, who we are and how that does not change. And that is from Isaiah 43, one. And it says this, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Church, let's, let's go into this new year knowing that truth and having a peace in the fact that our identity in Christ always precedes our action. Always comes first, no matter what. So let's go get this year and let's, let's make it a great one, church. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much. God, for this time where um, we could just gather together, God, worship you. God, God, as, as we're starting this new year, um, God, the, I, I think sometimes, I don't know about everybody else, but sometimes me, it's, I, I have that question of like, I want to change myself and, uh, and better myself, but, but sometimes that gets me thinking about who, who am I, God? And Um, God, I just thank you for a passage like this, Jesus, where we could read about your baptism and what that means, but also dive deeper into it and learning about who we are in you, God. God, I I, I thank you for, I thank you for the fact that, that what we do doesn't change who we are with you, that we, we are yours God, even if, we, even if we try and we fail and we, um, and we try to do, like, do our best and, and, we, and we keep failing, God, that, that you're just looking down on us saying, it, it doesn't matter because I love you. You are mine. And I love you and I'm, I'm happy with you. So God, I just, I just pray for those listening online, those here in the, in the room, if, if, if those of us who are, are really struggling with that, God, I just pray that we would, we would come to you and that you will help remind us of who we are this new year, God. Jesus, we thank you so much for this message, for this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen.